You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. Well, let's start in our study on Colossians. So go to chapter 1, verse 21. We're going to read a few verses together. Like I said, we're going to do 21 through chapter 2, verse 3. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So starting in verse 21, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Does anybody identify with that? I do. (laughs) You know, listen, I'm rabbit trailing already. Oh, man, I'm in trouble. (laughs) I am in so much trouble. Listen, you don't want to ever forget what God saved you from. Because if you forget, you might forget how bad it was. You know, I haven't forgotten waking up with my head on a toilet or not knowing how I got home in the hell that I lived in. I don't forget that. And, and I think for all of us, it's important that we remember what God saved us from and what God saved us to. Amen? Oh, see, that wasn't that bad. I mean, that was just like, it was quick. Verse 22, yet now he has reconciled you. Everybody say reconciled. Reconciled. All right, remember that word because that's an important word that we're going to focus on tonight. Reconciled. He reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are, listen to this, holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Wow. You're sitting in your seat right now, and when God looks at you, you are holy and blameless without a single fault. All because of Jesus. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. And we're talking about the Apostle Paul and this Paul, both. We both got that privilege. And I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries. In generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. Can I have an amen? For God wanted them to know the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. That's us, unless you're Jewish in here. Otherwise, that's you. And this is the secret. Are you ready for the secret? Everybody wants to know the secret. Here's the secret. Christ lives in you. Literally. Not figuratively. Literally, he lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. In other words, that's a guarantee. We're going to get to share in the glory of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Hey, that, that was amen worthy right there now. 
So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Chapter 2, I want you to know how much we have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. That's another one that I want you to pay attention to. I want them to have a complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, we began this study when I opened it up, because I did the first one, revealing the theme of Colossians. And I want to remind you of that theme again. It was summed up in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, okay? And that would be a good one for you to highlight either in your Bible or in your app. Christ is all and in all. Christ is all and in all. In other words, it's all about Jesus, amen? So Paul is showing us that Jesus Christ is the beginning, he is the middle, and he is the end of the Bible. Jesus is the answer for the lost state of humanity, even in 2021. You know, people think Jesus is outdated because he was thousands of years ago. No, he's still the answer today for the world. The word reconcile is probably one of the most significant words that you're going to find in all the New Testament. I mean, the word reconcile is in the top five, in the top five words in the New Testament. Okay, and I'm going to give you the top five. Y'all want the top five? Here they are. The top five, or the five key words in the New Testament are justification, redemption, forgiveness, adoption, and reconciliation. Those are the top five words, the key words that really... You could take those five words and they would basically tell you everything that you need to know about every book that you read or letter that you read in the New Testament. So quickly, let's look at these. We're not going to spend a lot of time, but I just quickly will look at these, these four and then we're going to talk about reconciliation a little bit. So justification. In justification, we stand before God guilty and condemned, but we're declared righteous. Justification. I've heard, I've heard it said this way, justified, just as if I'd never sinned, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. The second one, redemption, we stand before God as slaves, but are granted his freedom, right? We were all slaves to sin, and then Jesus came on the scene, and he set us free. You know, it's just amazing. I tried many, many times to quit doing drugs and alcohol and living the way that I, I was living, and I would always find myself going back to doing it all over again until I had a real encounter with Jesus. And when I had a real encounter with Jesus, everything began to change for me. Everything to begin to change. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying instantaneously all of my addictions and my struggles disappeared but I no longer desired to do those things. See, my heart changed. 
And what I used to enjoy doing and I wanted to do now, it grieved me when I did it. I felt terrible about it. I wanted to repent and get right with God because I knew that grieved the Holy Spirit and that grieved me. So we we see what's happening here. The third key word is forgiveness. We stand before God as a debtor, but the debt has been paid and forgotten. How many of y'all ever had somebody pay a debt for you? I have. It's wonderful. It's awesome. There's nothing like it. That's what Jesus did for us. He paid our debt. The fourth key word is adoption. We stand before God a stranger, but we are made a son or a daughter. We, we were brought into God's family. Once we were strangers, now we're a part of God's family. And the last key word is reconciliation. We stand before God as an enemy, and then he makes us his friend. He makes us his friend. And, and listen, it's way better to be a friend of God than be an enemy of God. Trust me, I was a poster child for being an enemy of God. It's not a good idea. So we've all gone from being enemies to being friends. We're all friends of God in this room. God's ultimate plan for the universe is to reconcile all things to himself. That's God's ultimate plan for the world. When God first created everything... He said, it is, help me, good. It's good. He looked at it, he said, it's good. All that God made was good. You were good, I was good, everything's good. But soon after sin marred everything, sin tainted all of God's goodness and all of God's creation was tainted by sin. So the fall resulted in a damning tragedy for the human race, but it also affected the entire creation, not just man, but it affected all that God created, his, the, the earth and the universe, and all that we see was affected by this. Sin destroyed the harmony between creatures, between animals. There's no harmony between most animals today. See, the, the fall created that disharmony, that disunity. We, we now live on a cursed earth in a cursed universe. You don't have to look very far to figure that one out, right? Sorrow, pain, discouragement, depression, anxiety, sin, worry, death, struggle. We clearly see that we live in a, in a cursed earth and in a cursed universe. Both are under the influence of Satan. All of it is. Man's under the influence of Satan. The earth is under the influence of Satan. And the universe is under the influence of Satan. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says that Satan is the God of this world. That's what it says. And then in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 it says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. So, so Satan is... The God of this world, when we talk about this world, we talk about the carnal world, the fallen world that we live in. Now, the devil is going to be defeated. He has already been defeated, but ultimately defeated. He is ultimately going to be defeated. And after the enemy is defeated, sin will be wiped out. And then we can see the results of the world and mankind being restored to God's original intent before the fall. This is what we're going to see. This is what, this is what we're all <laughs> waiting for, right? This is what we put our hope in 
for this to take place. This, and that is what we call reconciliation. That's reconciliation. When God reconciles all things back unto himself in the original vision of what he created. Let me just share a few scriptures with you. Isaiah 11. Now, now I'm going to talk about like the animal kingdom right now. So Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6 through 9. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with a baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near a bear. Better not do that today. The cub and the calf, bear cub and a calf, will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. It's not going to be carnivorous anymore. He's going to eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in the nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. See, that's what's going to happen. It hasn't happened, but that's what's going to happen. So changes in the animal world are going to be incredible, but they're going to be paralleled by the changes that happen in the earth and the solar system. Listen to this, Isaiah 24, verse 23. Then the glory of the moon will wane, and the brightness of the sun will fade, for the Lord of heaven's armies will rule from Mount Zion. He will rule in a great glory in Jerusalem in the sight of all the leaders of his people. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19 and 20. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day than the moon to give its light by night, for the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set, your moon will never go down, for the Lord will be the everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. So see, we see tremendous changes that are going to happen in the earth and in the universe, not just within the animal kingdom, but also within God's created world that he made. It's, it's amazing what we see happen. So not only are God's children set free from the slavery and bondage of sin, the whole earth is going to be set free from the slavery and bondage of sin. Go to Revelations chapter 21 with me. I want you to look at a couple of verses with me. Revelations chapter 21, verse 1 and 2. I mean, I've heard people say, oh, the Bible's boring. Are you kidding me? It's amazing. Revelations 21, we're going to uh, look at verse 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, which is 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. That's the dimensions, okay? That's big. <laughs> 1,500 miles, that's big. 
I saw it coming down out of heaven from God like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. What an incredible moment that's going to be for followers of Jesus. I mean, what an amazing day for all of us. We all look, get to look forward to that. You know why? Because none of us are under the curse of sin and death because of Jesus. Like I said, you're sitting in your seat tonight holy and blameless and shameless. Not because of you, but because of him. Because he literally lives in you. And there's a huge transformation that's taking place inside of all of us because Jesus has set up residence inside our hearts and now he lives in us. Can I have an amen? Amen. Now, what a day of dread and anguish it will be for those who have made themselves enemies of God. Because the enemies of God are going to have God's vengeance and God's wrath and God's judgment. The same wrath and judgment that came upon Jesus and killed him will be the same wrath and judgment that comes upon sinners and enemies of God. Now, we don't hear this preached much anymore because it makes people unhappy and it makes them uncomfortable and it's very judgmental. But it's the Bible and we need to know it. Amen? We need to know it. We need to know the truth. In this section of text, these couple of verses starting out, we discern five truths about reconciliation. And I, and I chose to focus a lot of my time on this word because I feel like it is a very important word for all of us to understand. Reconciliation transforms us. It transforms us. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Man, that's what happened for me. That's what happened for you. I mean, that old life left and that new life came. Praise God. The old passed away and the new came. I don't even, I I look back at a lot of old pictures that I have of a long time ago of me living the kind of life that I was living and I think to myself, who is that person? That's another person. I don't even know who that person is because Jesus came in and did a work in my life. So reconciliation transforms us. Reconciliation also satisfies God's wrath. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. There's only one way you can be made right with God. It's not through meditation. It's not through chakras. It's not through the new age. It's not through doing good works. It's not being a member of the Kiwanis Club. It's not by planting trees or saving wells or even saving babies, which is very important. Good works can't accomplish any of that for us. The only one that can accomplish that for us is Jesus. And that's what the scripture tells us. Reconciliation comes through Christ alone. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Reconciliation is available to anyone who believes. You don't have to be a certain weight, a certain height, a certain size, a certain color, a certain economic status. It's free to any 
person who chooses. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. See, God doesn't count your sins against you tonight. If you're born again, listen, you've got to get a hold of this. This changed my life. I lived under so much condemnation and guilt because I was always trying to be good enough, work enough, pray enough, give enough, not, you know, sin as least amount as I could so I could be right with God. And the fact of the matter is, you've got to get a hold of this revelation because there's not anything that you can do that, that accomplishes that. Because if there was something that you could do that accomplished that, then what would be the point of Jesus dying on the cross? Shedding his blood, suffering, and resurrecting from the dead. See, the good thing is, is you can take all of that pressure off of you tonight. And you can put it all on him. Because he's the one that can carry it. He's the only one that can carry it. And he's the only one that can resolve it like he did on the cross. And then finally, every believer has been given the ministry of reconciliation. Now, what Jesus did by reconciling lost man to himself, he says, now you're my ambassadors and I've given you that job. Now, what you got to do is you've got to go out and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and then you be the person that's going to reconcile other lost people back into me. And I mean, just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit can do that. You can be in line at Walmart. You can be at a restaurant with a waiter. You can be at work with a friend. I mean, any number of things can happen in the way that happens. Look in verse 23 of Colossians chapter 1. It says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Now, it's very important, especially for church people, to pay attention to what he's saying because oftentimes we feel like we are an exception to this rule. And we are not an exception to this rule. As a matter of fact, we are the ones that he is talking to. He, th- this letter is not written to lost people. This is written to the church at Colossae. It's written to Christians. Now listen to what he says. He says, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away. Paul warns against drifting away from the truth. Now, I've had the privilege of being here at this church for a very long time, and I do consider it a privilege that I get to be here and work alongside people like Hetty and Tim and their family. I am so blessed. I don't know why God picked me for that privilege, but just Jesus just wanted to bless me extra special, I guess. And so he called me here. And I have had the privilege of seeing so many lives changed. I'm talking transformation after transformation after people being set free, delivered, bondage broke off them, walking into their purpose. Just 
restoration. I mean, incredible things that I've been able to watch over the years. And it's just, it's just been incredibly, incredibly encouraging to watch. But I've also watched people who encountered the power of God drift away. That's another thing that comes with being in the ministry for a period of time. And this is unbelievably sorrowful. You know, I've had interns that I've invested one, two, three years into their life, and then they get out of the program and they, they drift away. It's so hurtful. It, it's just, and, and I hurt for them. I'm, I'm so sorrowful for them. And I've gone into bars, and I've gone into halfway houses, and I've gone to people's work, and I've, and I've met them at their job and pleaded with them to repent, to come back to God. I've sent lots of messages over Facebook and DM people over Instagram trying to plead with them to come back to God, get, get back right with God. But the Scripture warns us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I want you all to turn there with me because I, I think it's important that we read this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 Paul is once again exhorting believers of the church at Corinth. He says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea and on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and they drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. The rock, that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking. They indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Now look at verse 12. Here's the warning. If you think you are standing strong, be careful. You better be careful lest you fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, here's the thing that I want all of us to understand. Most of the people that I have tried to help drifted away. They didn't fall away. They drifted away. It's not like you fell off in a dark hole or a or dark pit. No, they drifted away. Paul used this word because it's a very descriptive word that really reveals what happens to somebody when they get away from the truth. See, 
they never imagined when they gave their life to Jesus and they sold out to the Lord, they were baptized in water, they, they cried tears and tears and surrendered their life to God and they never imagined in that moment when they surrendered their life to Jesus that they would ever go back to their old life. Ever. That was never even a thought in their mind that that would ever happen. And it shouldn't be. But the scripture warns us to stay connected to truth and keep walking in it consistently. Consistently. See, never allow yourself to think that you are above drifting away from the truth. Because every single person in here, I don't care how long that you have been a Christian... I don't care how deep you've gone with God. I don't care what miracles God has used you to wrought in your life. You may have healed somebody of deafness or prayed over a leg to grow or cast demons out of somebody. I don't care what, how spiritual of a moment you may have had, none of us are beyond falling away. It can happen to anybody. And you have to be diligent and you have to build tall fences around your life when it comes to protecting yourself from deception and temptation. Because the devil's out there, and he's out there 24-7, and he's just, it says, he prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to what? Devour. Devour. So we walk humble before the Lord. Humble. Don't get prideful. Don't get cocky. Don't become self-righteous. Don't look down your nose at somebody who's not living right or that was once a Christian and now they're not. And don't say, I can't believe they're doing that. Because at one time, they couldn't believe that they would ever do that. Or probably you could never believe that they would have ever done or living the way that they're living. So we want to live in humility and ask God to help us live in humility so that we're people who will repent quickly over our faults, that our hearts will break quickly. They're tender. They're soft. We don't want to just walk in, in secret, hidden sin in our life. No, because that's, that's what sets us up for the enemy. That's the drifting. See, that's the drifting. It, listen, any, anything in darkness is the devil's domain. If it's hidden, if it's secret, if it's kept in darkness, and most darkness is shrouded by shame because the enemy wants to keep our secrets hidden so he can keep us in bondage. And ultimately so that his job is to kill, steal, and what? Destroy. So here's something that I want you to know. These people who fell away, who drifted away, none of these people woke up one morning and said, I think I'm just going to turn my back on the truth, no longer believe in God, and go live my life selfishly the way I want to for the rest of my life. Nobody just woke up and did that. That's not how it happens. No, rarely is sin in our life a matter of a blowout on the highway of life. It is a slow leak over a long period of time that we allowed to be in our life. People don't fall away from the faith. They drift away from the faith over time. And one of the common things that I saw, and I'm just giving you what I saw, 
And I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. I'm kind of preaching to the choir tonight because you guys are here. But I just want to make you aware. One of the common things that I saw with different people over the years that drifted away is they slowly allowed their church attendance to slip. I'm just telling you. Now, well, Paul, that's legalistic. And, you know, I don't need the church to have a relationship with the Lord. No, you don't need the church to have a relationship with the Lord, but you need to have the church to not be in sin because the scripture makes it clear, don't forsake fellowshipping the gathering together of the saints. And it's important that we all understand that Jesus isn't coming back for you. He's coming back for his bride, the church. And you can't be a part of the church universal if you are not a part of the church local. Now, I understand that there are certain situations where, you know, you're sick, you're in a nursing home, you know, but there are accommodations even then that can be made. Where, you know, where two or more gathered, I am in the midst thereof. But one of the common things I saw is church attendance slipping. And listen, let me just, let me just tell you, don't you trust your flesh for one minute because it will make every excuse in the book to not come. Now, I always laughed at Tim when he said, you think you don't want to be here? I really don't want to be here. I had to study and preach. You just get to sit there and listen, right? So your flesh and the enemy will give you a thousand reasons not to go to church and experience worship, sit under the transforming power of the word, serve in church, have fellowship, because the enemy knows that's where transformation and change takes place in your life. That's where vision and purpose is revealed in your life. I just wrote down a few excuses that I've heard over the years. I'm tired. It's been a long week. I've heard that one. Who isn't tired? I mean, for crying out loud. I'm still in my work clothes, and I'm going to end up being 10 or 15 minutes late anyway, so I might as well go home. Um, I don't like Bible studies. I don't like that particular pastor style of preaching. I have schoolwork to do. I have a lot going on right now. I sinned yesterday or today, and I just feel so ashamed, and I feel unworthy to go. Well, had you come, you would have heard me preach Colossians, and you would have known that you are not your own righteousness. Jesus is your righteousness, right? So that, that would have encouraged someone, right? right there. So I encourage our church, stay vigilant over your your spiritual life and stay alert to your flesh tempting you to drift away. And the last thing, I want to look at verse 2 of chapter 2, and we're going to buzz through this real quick because I'm out of time. It says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. If someone were to ask you the most important quality or asset a person can can contribute to church They might say a leadership ability. They might say a speaking ability. They might say giftings, serving, holiness. And these are all essential components. I mean, they're all important components, don't get me wrong. But I feel probably the most necessary ingredient in the life of a believer is love for the church. Love for the church. When I hear people being critical about the church, I automatically know they're in serious trouble. They're in serious trouble. They're listening to the enemy. Because no one can truly serve God in the church without that motivation. 
If you don't love the church, you can't serve God with your whole heart. And the scripture talks a lot about us serving God with all of our heart, mind, and passion, serving the church. Jesus loved the church so much that he gave his life for it. And it wasn't until Jesus sacrificed his life for the church that the church was birthed. The apostle Paul had a deep, deep love for the church. He expressed it often. Paul loved the church because he loved Jesus. It was because of Paul's love for Jesus and the church that he was able to suffer and endure hardship and persecution, both outside and inside the walls of the church. He endured criticism and attacks from people outside the church, and he endured defections and false teachers and gossip and confrontations inside the church, all because Paul was motivated by the most powerful force in the world, love. Love absorbs the push. It absorbs the push. It is the most powerful force in the universe. 2 Timothy 2.10 says, So I am willing to endure anything if it brings salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those that God has chosen. God wants us to be perfected in his love. And oftentimes he does this through imperfect people. Well, most of the time he does it through imperfect people. God grows us. God matures us. God transforms us. God teaches us through relationships in church. As I close this session, I I want to encourage you to stay faithful. Keep your eye on the prize. I said keep your eye on the prize, not people's imperfections, not whether the music was too loud or that this church doesn't do the kind of outreach that you think they ought to do or what. No, no, no. Keep your eye on the prize, the crown of life. And as we do that, one day, one day, not too far from now, here's what we will hear said. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand with me. Let's give God a hand clap. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for reconciliation. Thank you, God, for making us right with you. God, go before us this week. Use us. Bring us back here Sunday. We give you praise and honor and glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.